for glory uh, I, I, what I was going to ask you before we started was um, did you order the that fucking bathrobe thing Not yet. really so you, so you think you still have time to get it shipped here before I might pick a different robe actually oh from a different company yeah interesting that's pretty sick fucking hooded robe is ultra yeah, I had it all. I had it all fucking in the cart and shit, and it was like click to pay, and I panicked, and I was like, "No, I'm not doing it." <laughs> I might do it still, but there was no like shipping estimate. I don't know, man. I guess I get fucking suspicious. You can pay for one day shipping. It's like fifty bucks. Stupid. Anyway, um, yeah. I don't know. I didn't do shit this weekend. Fucking, I just watched shit since since we decided to do this film comparison. That that spurred like a movie watching fucking frenzy. I just laid around all weekend. I, well, I did go. I tried to do some Christmas shopping, like in um, in real life today. Went up, went out to Beef. Met up with Universe. Um, it was a total fucking crapshoot. Well, we started at Powell's because, yeah, I mean, if I'm going to Beave, I'm going to hit up that fucking Powell's. But I don't know, man. I got in there and it was just like, ugh, I don't even, I like, I hate products. I don't even like it anymore. Plus, it's depressing now, dude. All the fucking stores have like empty shelves and shit. All the, all the, all the there's no goods being made anymore. Everything's dead. Like it's it's we're not recovered from COVID. Like movies still suck, you know. There's no there's. I mean, dude, they used to pump out. There was usually at least like one to four sick movies coming out in December. That was like a thing. Like Christmas Day. Yeah. Exactly. What do we got? I mean, I know some some people are hyped on Avatar too, but. I don't know, dude. We'll see. We'll see how much Cameron tamped down his his toxic <laughs> testosterone levels. Um, but yeah, it was it was garbage. I'm just gonna buy shit on fucking Amazon, or maybe I'll get that robe. I don't know. So anyway, I um, watched a lot of shit, dude. And you seen this fucking bug? Thing is hideous. And you know. The point originally was that I wa I was I was gonna watch Executive Decision and, and Air Force One and and try and determine what's up with that. But in my watching Frenzy, I'm just gonna get this out of the way. I wanted to ask you: Have you ever heard of the movie Hard Eight? I hadn't either, and I I just put it on because I was 
I didn't want to go through the scrolling thing. <laughs> it's a term for craps. That's the one where you roll the dice on the long board, right? I've never actually played it. I don't I don't get it at all. And there's like a scene in the movie that is kind of I I think a big scene and they're doing all this craps. Actually, it's sick. Okay, let me get into it. First of all, I didn't know I know what this movie was and I started watching it and the opening credits are rolling. It was written and directed by Paul Thomas Anderson, which was a pleasant surprise. Um <clears throat> And it's basically about like it's starring John C. Riley and this old man who I can never remember his fucking name. He's the guy who played the book, li the librarian detective in that episode of Seinfeld. I don't know if you. Well, interestingly enough, he was also in Air Force One. I guess that's not that interesting, except to me. But <laughs> uh, well, so this old this old timer movie opens with John C. Riley sitting in front of these sitting on the ground and by the door of this diner with his head like in his held it in his hands he looks fucked up you know and then this old man uh what is this fucker's name jesus i just need to know philip baker hall you would know his face anyway the old man comes up and he's like hey how about i buy you a cup of coffee and then they, they form this like bond. But the old man's kind of this like Vegas hustler type guy. And he, he's basically, he shows John C. Riley how to. Um, yeah, he plays a, tells his doctor a curb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Very funny role. There's definitely one prick involved. <laughs> mm -hmm. Anyway, it was a good flick. Uh, John C. Riley, his character is like a fucking moron in the movie. So it, I don't know. You should actually watch it. It was pretty cool. But there's a scene that with uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman at the crap table, or craps. I don't know what, how to call it, but that's like his only scene in the movie, and he's really cool. And it, you know, it's like '97 or something. So yeah, pretty dope flick all in all. Love loved seeing Philip Seymour Hoffman. It's, dude, anytime he's in a Paul Thomas Anderson movie, he's being fucking awesome. Uh, yeah, so the, the original point, of course, is that we were talking about the movie's executive decision in Air Force One. And didn't we both agree last week that executive decision was more dope? All right, well, I've watched them both. And I'm going to lay it down. Air Force One, far superior film. Like, no no contest. So, yeah, Executive Decision uh, released in 1996. Um, and then one short year later, Air Force One came out in 1997. Both, obviously, hijacking films. Um, I think, at least for those of us who, who lived through that time, the, the movies definitely occupy a space in our heads that is, you know, it forces a comparison. I mean, we were there, we saw Executive Decision, starring Kurt Russell, Lake Zamo. Um, and then the next year, Air Force One comes out and we're like, what the fuck, another fucking plane movie? I mean, all right. It's all about presidents too. 
No, there's no president. I mean, okay, it, that's that's a funny thing. Is um, the president actually isn't a character in executive decision? No, no, no. He's just like some analyst or something. He's some nerd. <laughs> if he was the president, that would be way too on the nose. Like, oh, uh, yeah, we we're just doing another better president, like saving a hijacked plane movie. <laughs> That would be so funny. No, 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 no. Um, you know, you actually bring up a good point. Oh, no, no, no. Because the reason they have to get on the plane in executive decision is that the terrorists have stolen like a nerve gas and they're hurling towards Washington, D.C. And they have enough gas to like wipe out the entire eastern seaboard of the U.S. So, yeah, normally... If there was a hijacked plane that, you know, people would be like, wow, that sucks, man. But obviously we're not going to find a way to put a Navy SEAL team onto the plane and like take it back. No, no, no. It was to save America. Um, another interesting thing. There were, so both movies have remarkably similar plots, even in just in the style of. So both movies open with like a ground insertion of like the seal team doing some kind of thing, you know? And, um, then obviously they both get hijacked and, you know, the, I think any hijacking movie is probably going to have an end, an ending where someone has to land the plane. You know, there's just certain tropes that are going to go into being on a plane movies. How do you the cargo bay? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Get down in that cargo bay. Which I don't know if you could. It's probably freezing in there. Well, they keep animals in there, don't they? Well, I know I flew out to Atlanta once with my dad's Dalmatians. It was an intense. We, dude, rolling through an airport with four fully grown Dalmatians. I mean, they were in kennels, but you're like pushing these enormous dog kennels. The the Dals are just like, woof. <laughs> like they're not loving it, you know? Those were good dogs, though. But yeah, um, another interesting thing: both movies, uh, compose or the score was composed by the same guy, Jerry Goldsmith. Who do you know who, who that is? Oh, yeah. Star Trek: Next Generation, like every Star Trek movie. Total Recall, Total Recall Star Trek Voyager theme. Um, I think he did. He did. He was fucking crushing it in the eighties, dude. But I think I feel like he's if you're if you're making a film about shit like fly, hurtling through the air or space, you're gonna tap Jerry Goldsmith. I think he's dead now. But yeah, um, Air Force One also grossed like triple the amount of money, and the director was just he's a, the director's much more accomplished. I think so. The guy that directed Air Force One did like a ton of big movies. Um, oh, you know, one thing that was interesting, he directed In the Line of Fire. I always thought that was directed by Clint Eastwood. Guess not. Wolfgang Peterson also directed Troy, Never Ending Story. The only movies the other guy did, he I think he only had directed like three movies. What, what it was one of the Star Trek movies, and then he did um, fuck, what was it? Oh yeah, U.S. Marshals. 
This is like a meh movie. But um, yeah, dude, just all in all, the, okay, the thing, I think the factor that truly makes it Air Force One superior to executive decision, it was just a bigger budget movie, first of all, but it's all about um, Gary Oldman. He, he's the best actor in either of those movies. And he, see, he's the villain in Air Force One. Sick. Great performance by Gary Oldman. Always love seeing him get pissed off, you know? And, like, I mean, Executive Decision had a good cast. Obviously, Kurt Russell's sick. I'm not, like, the hugest Leguizamo fan. I mean, he's cool in some roles, but I don't really care about him. Um, I'll tell you who I love, though, is Oliver Platt. Great fucking actor, dude. Does such a good job in that movie. He plays like this engineer who, you know, he's not like a fucking bomb guy. He just gets stuck with the squad getting on onto the plane. Oh yeah, he's great in a time to kill. Great in year one, you know, as the priest. Good actor, but he gets so fucking sweaty in executive decision. And I believe that sweat. I'm like, dude, that he that's not they're not dabbing him between takes. He's fucking sweating. That's the mark of a truly great actor. Um, yeah, the, the executive decision was a solid movie. It's a good movie, but it's, it's just a little bit low budget and the script just doesn't pop quite as much. One thing they did that I, I like is, is they kill Steven Seagal. Audiences did not see that death coming when that film came out. They were like, the fu-? they thought it was a fucking Steven Seagal movie. I like it when they do shit like that. I know you hate the movie Doom, but I thought it was cool in that movie when it turns out The Rock is not the main character and he's like the bad guy. I also love Carl Urban, obviously. But, um, so yeah, Executive Decision uh, is a solid movie. I mean, a 90s classic. But I think that, sadly, when, when one year later, this other director came out and just, like, fucking cucked that first director and was basically like, this is how you do a fucking hijacking movie. God, dude. Can you imagine? All of our presidents are fucking bitches. I wish, I wish we had a fucking warrior president like that. Uh, anyway, solid movies, all in all a fun time. I watched them back to back and I was going to watch them again. God, I had all these fucking things and I didn't write any of it down because I'm an idiot. I guess I would have to say that ultimately neither of them are that sick. They're not my favorite 90s films by any, I mean, not even top 10. Solid, solid watches though. Another thing I, I enjoy is how um, that that character that plays Miles Dyson in T2, that guy's always getting fucked up in movies and then having these like long, drawn-out suffering scenes. Dude, dude suffers well on camera. Yeah, yeah. He's like the bomb expert, but he gets, his fuck, he gets hurt getting in and like his neck's fucked up. So that's why Oliver Platt's character has to be the one to defuse the bomb. 
so the whole movie, like Miles Dyson's character, or the, I mean, that's his character in T2's name. I don't know the actor. He's like strapped into this thing with his fucking neck and he has to hold this mirror to watch him try to defuse the bomb. I mean, it was sick, dude. But the car- the the villains are a little bit generic. You know, they're just like your run-of-the-mill uh, Islamic terrorists. Whereas in Air Force One, you've got these Russian like communist uh, fundamentalists or something. Some, that's not a good word for it. But, you know, they're trying to get this this um, this general release from prison, which I guess they're doing in, they're actually doing that in, in executive decision as well. They want somebody released from prison. That's funny. Jurgen Prock now plays the general in Air Force One now. Very small role, but kind of sick it's funny dude that guy will take small roles like he doesn't give a shit he just wants to be seen <laughs> i forgot about that that's good he, he he's like um he's a mean guy in that movie yeah a lot of um a lot of a lot of good faces in both those films yeah in the end i'd have to i'd have to give the the superior stamp to Air Force One. It's just better, better shot, better. Even though I think Executive Decision has the script for that, I think has better potential to be like a really interesting movie. They didn't pull it off quite as well. I mean, the the general idea for Air Force One is kind of hammy and generic. Like, oh, they take Air Force One. Now the president's got to come back. It's kind of like meh. But with the other one, it's like, no, nah, dude, they turned this plane into a fucking missile. And we got to get a SEAL team onto the plane. That That's just an interesting... Oh, both movies also have, like, a docking scene where they have to, like, link up two planes. It's funny, man. So hard to do anything different. Get off my plane. I mean Harrison Ford, you know, he he's a good actor, but he's kind of always just doing the same thing. The stoic, like I don't know. I, I love Harrison Ford, don't get me wrong. Of course, the fugitive. I don't care. So yeah, I mean maybe I didn't I should have watched him more. I just fucked up. Oh, you know what else I was peeping on, dude? Was Solo. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a pretty bad movie. Solo was this movie from the 90s that it was like a fucking low-rent Universal Soldier type shit. Or, you know, it was basically just about a cyborg. They build this cyborg, the military. See, I don't know who that is. Is he famous? Mario Van Peebles. Was he in anything else? From from childhood, the only thing I remember about that movie is in the trailer where the guy, they're like, how do you want to look solo? And they're showing him all these photos and he sees Michael Jordan on the TV and he's like, like Mike. And when I was a kid, I remember thinking, wait, Michael Jordan's going to be like a cyborg in a fucking movie? Sick. 
and I did I, I, the racist like Salt Lake City youth brain that I had didn't understand that those that wasn't Michael Jordan. <laughs> um, eventually, I figured it out though. It's a terrible film, but there was one part that I was thinking about that was kind of funny. There's this part when like Solo, he's among, he's he's amongst these um, like villagers, you know, these village these jungle villager people, where he gets he that's where he ends up, you know, and he they're, they're they take him in, you know, and he they're the ones he has to defend in the in the movie. And they're all laughing, and like Solo doesn't understand laughter, and he comes up, and he's like, he's like, mm? and they show him what they're laughing at, and it's like these erotic playing cards, <laughs> and I think that's so funny, dude. That that scene could have been so dope. I mean, Solo just doesn't understand, but like, I thought it would be really funny if, um, you know, Solo was like. I was I was not programmed with the ability to become aroused and yet something is stirring. <laughs> like these erotic playing cards just get solo like they they twist up his AI brain. I is I believe solo is a, a fully functional model program. I mean, you can't be an effective cyborg without the ability to like please <laughs> are you a pleasure model solo is programmed with kama sutra yeah solo's got a big old fucking dick dude no balls though doesn't need him if you could uh if you could like get your balls tucked would you do it? Dude, I'm 40 now, man. My shit's dangling. Like, I want them, I want them tucked. I want a scrotal reduction. No, does the scrotal tuck, is that even a real procedure? Can you get, can you get that scrotum reduced? I mean, my shit's dangling, dude. I don't want to sit on these balls. Did you ever hear about how Mr. Belvedere sat on his balls? You, you do you remember who Mr. Belvedere is? Scrotal lift. There are a variety of reasons, man. Scrotum can be stretched and loose. These can be simple genetics, natural aging, trauma, or injury, among others. Scrotal lift or scrotoplasty is a procedure performed by blah, blah, blah. Advanced aesthetic plastic surgery that involves the excess skin being removed from the scrotum in order to improve comfort and appearance. This sounds sick, dude. This is not a difficult procedure. And it can boost a man's self-confidence. Hang on, I got more. First, yeah, I know that. Who's a good candidate? Many men, young and old, have scrotums that are sagging, stretched, large, and hang too low. In severe cases, the scrotum is stretched so much that it causes discomfort when wearing certain underwear or pants. Yeah, uh, certain cases, dude. Try every dude ever. Do you walk around with impunity within your balls don't feel uncomfortable at all? Oh, man. God, when I was when I was driving at that fucking thing, 
at my uh, job, I gained like 20 pounds when I, when I was doing that in like six months, dude, I got fat, fattest I've ever been. And I got so, my balls didn't fit between my legs, dude. And I was driving around in this fucking van and I was so fucking uncomfortable, dude, that I would actually go into the bathroom at OHSU and wrap my balls in toilet paper. I would create this like toilet paper, like mask around my balls because I couldn't sit comfortably in the van. It was the only thing to say because they would stick to my thighs, dude. And it was just like so fucking annoying. And it's really funny because then I was like, all right, I got to lose this weight because I was like 180 or something. And after I lost like 20 pounds, it, it, was, it didn't bother me anymore. It was literally my leg got so fat that my enormous like sagging balls <laughs> could no longer comfortably sit betwixt my legs. Well, it's good to know it exists, man. I fucking hate balls. Is that the is that the fucking trigger? Oh, sick. I actually like that. <laughs> now, now I can see the fucking end zone. Yeah, I mean, let me tell you. I've thought about the sheath underwear for sure. I mean, I was fucking sheathing my own balls in toilet paper. That shit fucking sucked, dude. My God. So funny the way you can get fat at a job. This one guy that's that's been working there for years. I mean, he was fat when he started. He is now so fucking fat. I can't even believe it. You're moving it out. Damn, son, I was running out of steam. <laughs> no, no, it's all good. It's all good. It's all good. Um, oh my god, though, this guy. He's become so fat, dude, and I, I, it depresses me because I know why it happens. You're out there, you're driving, you're just eating that fast food and shit. But let me tell you, man, bring a box of fucking raisins, you know, find a way. Find a way. You can't be eating fast food all the time. It's, it's a sorrow food, and it causes sorrow. It perpetuates sorrow. And, you know, once in a while, fine. But when, you're, when your job is to drive, you're basically, like, always on a road trip, you know. Next time we pod, remind me, and I'll tell some stories from my driving job because it actually, there were, there were some fun, very odd moments in the course of doing that job that um, I never, ever would have experienced working some shit real retail job or whatever. It was way more fun than shitty, shitty server job. But ultimately, it's way easier to get paid to sit in an office and play solitaire, which is what I currently do. Sometimes I read. But I'm always getting called, so. Anyway, um, fun times. We'll see you all next week. And when I say that, I don't mean it because, first of all, no one's listening, and second of all, we do it whenever the fuck we want.